I'm curious if you have ever bargained for anything in your life. I suspect you probably have. Oh, maybe if you are one who goes to a garage sale or perhaps to an antique store. I'm always one to ask at the counter, is this a firm price or I might be able to wiggle another 10% out of, uh, out of what the cost might be? Or how about buying a car? Now, that's something that I don't particularly like doing, uh, but uh, I know that there are some people who just love bargaining. Are you one of them? Maybe you are. My first experience bargaining was just out of college with a, a vendor on a beach in Mexico. He was selling hand-carved items, and I remember vividly the conversation that unfolded. I looked at the item. It was a, a, a beautiful uh, carved item of a turtle, and I wanted to be able to, uh, to buy that, and, and I asked how much. I thought it was pretty high, and I, and I tried to bargain. We went back and forth and back and forth, and I gave numbers, and he would say over and over again, too low, too low. I've worked so hard on this. And so we finally struck a deal. And I thought I made the bargain of my life. And so I showed my prize to another traveler thinking, look at this. And they asked me, well, how much do you spend for it? And, and I told them, and I thought to myself, they're going to say, what a deal it was. And they responded, you were robbed. Well, so much for my bargaining ability. We live, I think, pretty much in a bargaining type of a world. We want to get, by the, get the best deal that we possibly can in life, and we think that we will somehow come out ahead, and that we will gain something over someone else, perhaps. And when we don't think that has happened to us, we will sometimes think that something unfair is afoot. We should have gotten a better deal than what we got. We got a raw deal. Now, the parable of the employer and his workers is a story which causes much the same reaction today as it probably did for Jesus' first listeners. So let's set the scene. And so let me build this up a little bit. And if you have Bibles with you, you're going to be turning back uh, a, a paragraph or so into chapter 19 in the Gospel of Matthew. So just before this parable in Matthew 20 is the episode of a rich man who walks up to Jesus and asks, what good thing must I do to gain eternal life? So a conversation unfolds that's probably worthy of 10 messages, but simply because we're setting a context and the setting for this, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this story. Simply, Jesus refers to doing the commandments. Maybe you remember the story. The man shrugs his shoulders and he says to Jesus, well, I've done all the commandments. What else do I need to do? And so Jesus continues and says, remember, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. At that, the man turned away. Perhaps out of genuine desire, but without fully comprehending his actions, the rich man was really bargaining for his salvation. And so here are the bargaining points. What must I do to gain life? These are the laws, Jesus said, but I've already done these things. Okay, then do this, Jesus asks. No, the price is too high. He doesn't understand that the price is not too high for God, but he still walks away. Now, the disciples overhearing this exchange think, wow, 
What a hard bargain this is. Who then can be saved? They don't get it either. Then it dawns on Peter. Has to be Peter. Always Peter, doesn't it? Unlike that man, he says, we've already left everything behind worldly, all of our worldly possessions behind. In other words, hey, Jesus, look at all that we've done in following you. What reward awaits us? Peter gets caught up in the bargaining frenzy. He doesn't get it either. So Jesus then makes the pivotal point, and here's one of the main points leading into the parable for today. With God, all things are possible. That's the scene. So we have a man bargaining for his salvation. We have disciples bargaining uh, for their reward. No one understands Jesus. So Jesus tells the parable of the landowner and the workers in the vineyard. There are two parts to the parable. It's a perfectly symmetrical parable. It's wonderful. The hiring of the workers, and then there's the paying of the workers. Now, in order to harvest his grapes, a landowner goes to the marketplace. That's where he would find the day workers. He goes to the marketplace early in the morning, probably about 5 o'clock in the morning, and asks those who are able to come and join working him in in the field, and that would probably be about 6 o'clock in the morning. So he finds some of these men who want to work, and they begin to bargain. You want to work? Sure, we'll work. How much are you paying us? How about a denarius a day? Sure, a denarius a day. Sure, we'll do that. Okay, okay. They bargain, they agree, and they go out to start their work. The landowner discovers that he needs more workers. So he goes back to the marketplace to hire more at about 9 o'clock. Something different occurs here on out in the rest of the parable. There's no bargaining. There's no wrangling about what the pay is going to be. The employer simply says, you work, I'll pay you what's right. At noon, more workers. (laughs) You work, I'll pay you what's right. At 3 o'clock, more workers. You work, I'll pay you what's right. And at the 11th hour, 5 o'clock in the evening, One hour of work left in the day during that time. The employer goes back to town. Why are you standing here idle all day? No one's hired us, some replied. We've been here all day, simply waiting. Tell you what, go to the fields, work for one hour, and I will pay you what's right. Okay, there's the setup. Here comes what follows. Now everyone starts to get paid. They go to the supervisor to be paid for their work. Beginning with the workers hired at the end of the day, the ones who worked only one hour, they received, well, we've already heard it, one denarius, a full day's wage, one hour of work. Can't you hear the workers' excitement as they go home? What a wonderful man! One day's pay for one hour's work. Wow! How about those who work three hours? One denarius. What a wonderful man. A day's wake, a day's wage for three hours of work. And the same for those who work half a day and for three quarters of a day. And so as we're building up through the line of people to get paid, can you begin to hear the thoughts, maybe even some of your thoughts? Wow, look at this. 
They didn't work as long as we did. They didn't work as hard as we did. They're getting a full day's wage. I wonder what we're going to get. Well, perhaps like the disciples when they heard Jesus talk to the rich man earlier, hey, what are we going to get? Can you hear the conversation between two of them at the end of the line? Hey, Joe, get a load of that. Look what the other guys are getting. What's in store for us? Those who worked all day, you guessed it, one denarius. Same as everybody else. What? you got to be kidding me. I'm not going to work for you again. You gave everybody a day's wage, and you, they didn't even work, some of them only for one hour. I worked and slaved in the heat of the day, and, and one denarius? Huh, remember the landowner's response? I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? We had a contract. We bargained for this. Take what belongs to you. As for the others, do you begrudge my generosity? And that's it, isn't it? God does not conform to the world's ways because this really is all about God. God's eternal grace does not relate to length of service. Now, that should be a comfort for all of us. Some years ago, I recalled that I was called to a hospital in another community uh, to speak with a man who was near death. In our conversation, he said, for the first time in my life, I am beginning to understand that God really loves me, and I want to bring and accept Jesus into my heart. I've never been baptized. Pastor, can I be baptized right here in the hospital? We had several conversations, and over that period of time, we began to arrange for a time for family to come and be with, with him. And we baptized that man shortly before he passed away. But before he passed away, he made a remarkable comment, a man of 70 years who lived a very hard life. He said, the only thing I regret is that I was not open to this joy I now feel, and I wish that I had it much earlier in my life. I am finally at peace. So whether the first hour or the eleventh hour makes no difference to God. Length of service. Grace is grace. God's eternal grace also has nothing to do with position. Bracketing this parable are words that we often hear, sometimes even joke about when we're at the back of a long line. Hey, well, you know how it goes. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Those words actually precede the parable, though we hardly notice it because it's tucked away in the last verse of the last chapter. That chapter heading kind of breaks that flow, unfortunately. For you see, that same line is used at both the beginning and the end of this parable. And when there's repetition like this in Scripture, we've got to take note because that is a key to be aware of. The last and the first has nothing to do with inversion of order. I'm going to repeat that. 
the last shall be first and the first shall be last has nothing to do with inversion of order. It has everything to do with equality. For all the grumbling that the workmen first hired, they said one thing correctly in verse 12. You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. That was the one true thing they said. You have made them equal. No first or last. We are on equal footing before God. Everyone was paid one denarius. Do you begrudge my generosity? Asking, ask the landowner to the grumbling workers. This is about God's gracious generosity, and we are children of a gracious God. So if God is generous and gracious, it, it seems to stand to reason that we shouldn't bargain with God. You see, joys can be experienced by us that we had not counted on, support that we had not anticipated, or graciousness beyond our measure, if we have eyes to see and have open hearts to experience. And I think we're seeing more of that today. If we're not, it's probably because of human nature. Ah, yeah, that human nature, looking at the world for what we can get out of it, that human nature, looking through the lens of wheeling and dealing, or conversely, looking through the lens of, we've been gypped, we've been robbed. And I sense that there's a fair amount of that going on today, understandably. There's a lot of sentiment, so much has been taken away, and that's a very human feeling. Jobs, graduations, parties, weddings, proms, <laughs> retirements, sporting events. And please don't forget, people, loved ones, friends, stolen from us, you might say, by an unseen viral enemy. Much has been taken away. And in the midst of all this, yes, it's also true that much is given. Do you trust the owner? Or will we grumble at the unfairness of it all? And do you think that the grace giver does not understand all of this? Sending his son Jesus who endured the cross for you and for me, the unfairness of it all. We can be such hard nuts to crack. Because you see, grace is not always that sentimental, squishy, warm bread. Grace can be hard, but it is always true and it's always just, and it's always loving. And there will always be people who will seek to gain some advantage over others. 
I've been volunteering for some time at the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and over the last several weeks have worked the distribution lines. Hundreds of cars line up. But inside those cars are grateful, joyous people, some also embarrassed or in disbelief they have found themselves in such circumstances, perhaps for the first time. But in these distributions, there are no requirements. Simply show up. Simply show up. And the food is yours. We are all equal. But each time, in each of the times that I have been a volunteer in one of those distribution lines, each time there has been one person out of the hundreds, just one, who doesn't get it, tries to cut the line or seek some sort of advantage. Last Thursday, I distributed food to those who came by foot. And last Thursday, if you recall, was a windy, bone-chilling, 40-degree day, drizzling. The people who came to my area, walking up, one pulling a small shopping cart, another with just a backpack, another with just a, a plastic bag in, in his hand, and one with no coat maneuvering a small motorized cart from a mile away from his home. All he had was his lap to put the food in. Well, in the midst of this, actually just a little bit before this, there was a man who drove into the parking lot before we even started. He came up to me and he said, wow, the line is long. And I said, yes, how can I help you? Do you need food today? He said, yes, but the line is long. Yes, and last week it took only about 45 minutes to get through that entire line. If you get in line now, it'll be better for you. It shouldn't be too bad. He reluctantly left. Half an hour later, half an hour later, he drives into the parking lot again. Within 25 feet of me, parks his car. And he must have been watching what I was doing. He walked up to me and says, I'm walking in now. I said, no, you didn't. You drove in. You will freely receive what everyone else receives, but you need to be in the proper line. Perhaps like the rich man who first talked to Jesus, the choice is yours. Bargain for it, and you'll be disappointed. Sometimes grace is hard, but it is always equal. I'm trying to give you a gift, don't you see? Can't we hear God say? Grace. You can't bargain for it. You can't begrudge me for that. You can't finagle for it. You can't compare whether your gift is better than someone else's gift because it isn't. It's equal. 
We still live in a world of grace. We remain the recipients of grace. We can still give grace. We can still cultivate an attitude of thanksgiving, even when for many times are desperate. What we learn about ourselves and each other and God through these times may cause us to grow and blossom in extraordinary ways, I pray. There will be bumpy times in our soul. I know. I've been through them. Was through one yesterday. Actually, probably a couple this past week. And we'll catch ourselves in those disappointed, grumbling moments from time to time. But I pray we will emerge with God's help as mature, appreciative, grateful people, grace-filled, and grace-givers. And I believe we're seeing much more of that today. Thanks be to God. So, dear God, thank you that we are all one before you. One no different from another, one of no more advantage than another. But that we are one before you, all needing your grace. And you graciously giving. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And Katie, I think we have a song, Grace is Enough. <laughs>